0: The tacky. This is on
1: the to Welcome back to a League of Our Own uh, a podcast, all about the A League, um, by Maynard and Will. Uh, this episode, Maynard, we decided to delve into a wrap up of all the things that you may have missed in the last month and a half. Obviously, we're uh, still in the depths of preseason here, and um, and and certain games are on, certain games are not, certain states are. Opening up, certain states are not. Uh, we're in a we're in a weird time, man. How how are you? Yeah, look, very
0: weird time. Um, I've moved country to New Zealand, and I've been in lockdown ever since I've arrived. Bit weird, and the I think the A League off season is quite similar. So yeah, as you said, we're just gonna sort of break down all the key things that have been happening in the last yeah, yeah month and a half, which has been a bit of a smorgasbord of all sorts of things: big signings, new kits, new sponsors. New league dates, bit of everything, really.
1: Exactly right, man. Well, let's let's delve into it straight away. Um, new name and new sponsor, Maynard, the A Leagues. Um, there's no more A League. There's no more Hyundai A League. It is now the Isuzu Ute A Leagues.
0: Yeah, no, it's the it's the Isuzu Ute A League Men, because I think I'm pretty sure Isuzu only only sponsored the men's division.
1: There you go. You're one step ahead, Maynard.
0: It's a bit of of a mouthful, doesn't roll off the tongue so well, but I think it's a good sign joining the men's, women's and youth under one umbrella of A-Leagues.
1: Yeah, look, I think the whole point of it seemed to be to enhance the profile of the other kind of legs of the A-League, especially the women's game here, and kind of enhance their profile prior to the Women's World Cup again in 2023. Um, So I think I kind of get it. It's a bit strange of a concept, but sure. Don't no, think don't, it'll change yeah, too
0: much. I, I agree. I like the concept. They're also introducing a sort of joint championship between both the men's and women's leagues where the best club will win an award as well. See, which I think is the, quite a nice concept.
1: It is. But this is the interesting thing, right? Does that mean Canberra United, for instance, and Western United and Central Coast? That means they're already out of that championship, right?
0: Yeah, that's correct. There's there's three men's teams that can't compete, which means that Wellington's already, you know, beaten four teams. great news.
1: You're not wooden spoon, not.
0: Yeah, not wooden spoon, but uh, I think it's a good competition. I think it will mean fans are more interested across both leagues to start with.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: but, I mean, all, all news is saying that expansion will get all those teams that we just mentioned, uh, either having a men's team or a women's team in the next few years, which is, I mean, all good signs. But yeah, let's let's keep focusing on the A-Leagues to start with and I'm sure you've seen Will as well as half of soccer Twitter full full stop forward slash logo that we have going on now.
1: Oh man, the ball and a crossbar. I mean, the marketing team were they sat up all night, man, they thought long and hard and they said, "How do we represent this new new league, new leagues?" And a full stop and a dash and a dash was how they got there.
0: Yeah, look, it's beautiful. <laughs> Beautiful my,
1: my, my, my favorite part definitely leak of that logo though I mean that oh, was peak peak A leagues
0: oh we knew that I mean it always happens this time of year this is leak season You know, we'll, we'll, we'll jump to it next but the, the leaks from FIFA with the kits you also get the leaks from those new kits with the new logo it's fantastic
1: I know. I do find it funny. I mean, A League Beams does an excellent job of this by getting onto FIFA, looking at all the A League teams, and saying, "When are you going to release your kits to the yeah. clubs? Because they're already there." Um, but yeah, the the Melbourne City accidentally releasing the new A League logo and then having to go into word art or paint or something and just scratching them out. I mean, that was, to be honest, quite hilarious.
0: Yeah, it was. It was interesting seeing seeing those kits attention you paid, but some some teams like Sydney FC released with the old logo. Wellington Phoenix yep. for example released without a logo and then as you said Melbourne City had to do two releases One and then once with a horrible paint job
1: It's quite funny Yep, very funny. Peak, peak A leagues, by not as I said um, but it was exciting that the Osuja youth sponsorship, as much as the name doesn't, as we said, doesn't really ring, uh, roll off the tongue as well it is good that we have a bit more money again in the league. Um, given Hyundai wasn't going to come back,
0: yes. Yeah, given, given the the last, lost major, um, sp- sorry, major Boracay deal with Foxtel, you've lost Hyundai, which we're giving something like six million dollars a year for fifteen years. I mean, those are massive partnerships. So it's ex- it's exciting times for the leagues. With as you said, Isuzu Utes, don't forget Bunnings and their ladders. And then the, the $200 million Paramount TV deal. There's some uh, good stability in the league at the moment. Yeah. Exciting, I think.
1: I agree. I agree completely.
0: Well, um, I, I'll talk about exciting just quickly. Um, I'm not sure if you've been keeping up to date, but we've actually got dates for the league to start now. Men starting on the 19th of November and then the women starting on the 3rd of December. So it's not too long to wait anymore.
1: No, that's true. That's true, and I was going to say, man, I'd like—I do—I do understand the way they've done the fixturing because obviously it seems like they've split it into two hubs. You've kind of got your New South Wales hub because you've got six teams based here, um, yeah. and then the rest of the league is kind of good luck. Um, It—I mean, it was like a New South Wales and Victoria hub, really. Um, but I mean, for Perth Glory, I still don't understand how they're going to be playing, or even Brisbane to some extent. Um, a home game for quite a while
0: yeah it, it, that's an interesting point my understanding is um the yeah as you said the league split in two between new south wales and then uh, other though the other league starts with victorian teams playing victorian teams so hopefully that just buys enough time so that borders across queensland and wa open also quite interesting is that victoria has mandated that all sports players i believe have to be double vaxxed. Which might yep. be the way that the sports team tra- can travel across borders before, perhaps players. Oh, sorry, fans can.
1: Yeah, that's true. That's but true.
0: I, I guess it's a big unknown. Uh, what they're trying to do is play the games that they can to start with. which you'll probably get them through to the new year, and then hope that you know normality is resumed, and at the very least across Australia, the teams can at least travel.
1: Yeah, I mean the only two teams that I particularly worry about by the let's call it the new year is Perth and Brisbane. Um, I'm,
0: not, I'm not sure what's sorry, just jumping in. I'm not sure what Adelaide can do. I haven't really been reading much about how yeah, many they can do.
1: I mean, the only reason I'm not as worried about Adelaide is because I think South Australia is not as much of a pariah on the borders. Like, I, I think South they've got a liberal government as well. I don't want to get into politics here, but they tend to be a bit, you know, less strict when it comes to borders, um, compared to the Labour states. So I wouldn't be surprised if Adelaide is playing home games or being a little bit easier with the rules sooner than WA or Queensland. I think WA and Queensland are really the two states that it will be interesting to see how Perth and Brisbane are able to host games. Um, And that's my only concern, even in the new year. I mean, if that means Perth and Brisbane have got hubs and they're playing away for the first, they play, and they basically play all the home games. I mean, it's going to be weird and, maybe an unfair advantage, but maybe that's the way they have to do it.
0: Yeah, I mean you're talking unfair advantage. Wellington has to play the whole season at this stage away from home. So it's it's just it's just the current environment, I think.
1: Yeah, agree. And and it will be interesting again with Wellington. I hope that we they can return back to New Zealand. As we saw last year when they did go back to New Zealand, the crowds for all the games, because yeah. there is this pent up demand to watch live sport. Um,
0: yeah, and then just on that point, probably nice, nice to touch on that there is a Wellington Phoenix women's team for the first time ever joining the leagues, which, um, you know, Wellington Phoenix are very, very keen to get both the men and women team to at least have a home game in New Zealand at some stage, and I think the 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 crowd behind both will be quite massive as we saw at the later end of last season.
1: Yep. Well, here's to hoping they do get it. I mean, I do find it interesting that. Under the old regime, prior to the you know clubs taking over the A League, that you had FFA here say we don't want a Wellington Phoenix women's team. Obviously, change of ownership, and now we do. Um, but they, I think, it only makes sense to have a Wellington women's team, especially given the, the New Zealand will be hosting the World Cup with Australia in 2023. Seems uh, counterintuitive not to help support the New Zealand women's uh, you know league players, uh, coaches, etc.
0: Yeah, it's, it's quite an interesting point you make there. I don't think this would have happened without the Women's World Cup being shared because at the end of the day it is costly to have a, you know, it's costly to expand that competition across international borders. If going forward this women's team is going to have home games in New Zealand suddenly you're adding international travel for all the other uh, oh, I'm going to call them W League teams.
1: Yeah, it's um.
0: It is a costly exercise, and just on that point, it is some interesting concessions that both uh, the New Zealand and non-New Zealand teams have to make in the in the women's game right now. So I'm not sure if you've been reading into it, Will, but no. being a team Phoenix fan myself, the Wellington Phoenix women's team has to have at least seven Australians in the squad. And yep. then of the total of 18, that means they can have a maximum of 11 New Zealanders which will be reduced depending how many, you know, visa players they have in the squad.
1: Mm, interesting. So,
0: it's, I mean, it's not like, it's not like the whole squad's going to be made up of Kiwis. It's going to be quite similar, I think, to the, the men's squad. You're going to have a good mix of Australians and New Zealanders and maybe one or two foreign stars. Uh, what I found most interesting is that all the other women's teams are going to have one New Zealand squad Player paid for by the Australian Football Association.
1: Really interesting, and I mean, does that does that New Zealander count as a foreigner? It does. Wow. Okay.
0: But it's it's effectively, you know, uh, whatever the minimum women's league player is. I mean, it's not much money, but concession that they've obviously made so that the uh, New Zealand Football Association is more comfortable needing to have seven players in their squad because this this Wellington Phoenix women's team is very much going to be uh, done in co-sponsorship with New Zealand football.
1: Yep. 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 Agreed. That's really interesting they've done it that way. I mean, to be honest, they could have made it very simple and just said the Wellington Phoenix team We're very happy to have majority, if not all, New Zealand players. Um, but there you go. I'm sure they've done this for a reason. Um And again, for New Zealand women's football, it's only positive.
0: Yeah, look, it is a good thing. It's a good thing for the World Cup too, having a larger women's professional league in this side of the world before the 2023 World Cup. It shows. Hopefully, it builds more and more fans of the women's game before those, um, you know, that tournament here. Uh, It's again, it's only a good thing. But speaking of expansion, I'm not sure how much uh, you've been keeping your ear to the floor, but it sounds like there's going to be a Canberra team joining the men's competition next year. To make the championship, as we spoke about before, more of a competition, and it sounds like there's going to be two new women's teams joining the women's competition next year in Western United and Central Coast. So that will only leave MacArthur without a championship. A women's team to be able to compete in that combined championship.
1: Interesting. I mean, obviously, I've been advocating for a Canberra team, and you and I have had these discussions a long time. That Canberra really needs to be the next expansion team. So for me, that's only a positive thing.
0: Yeah, um, I think you need even the teams, though. I really, I really hate uneven. Um, yeah, agree. And, uh, and and uneven tables and buys it just sort of destroys the. Ability to build form and build continua, continuance continuity across squads. So hopefully you see, as you said, yeah, a Canberra team and then either Tasmania team or or something along the same ilk, so that you can you know we'll have a fourteen team competition, which will be you know good for the good for the competition side of the world.
1: Yep, agree. And I mean, look, you and I have talked expansion previously, um, and I am very much an advocate of getting to sixteen teams. So you know. Getting Canberra in, that's one step closer, but agree that we need to get to 16. And I think that should be the aim in the next three to four years is for us to get to that 16 number. Um, So if is the next, great. We're on one step closer to getting there and I'm all for it.
0: It's really interesting. Um, Your man, Danny Townsend, I believe he's the Sydney FC CEO, came out out the other day and said, um, for expansion, we're not looking for the team that can give us the biggest paycheck. Like it had been in the past, but we're looking for teams that can, you know, unlock new geographies and be good, strong business partners, which I think means the Canberras, the Tasmanias, potentially, you know, your Gold Coast or second Brisbane team have yep. more of a chance or a Wollongong.
1: I mean, if you, if we had all four of those, Maynard, I'm not complaining. Uh, the only thing that you and I have discussed as potentially the 16th other team would be an Auckland.
0: Yeah, look, well, you know, you know my thoughts on that. I'd love it having a, a proper New Zealand derby. Yeah. Um, again, I guess the difference is this is an Australian league, and it's whether they want to have two new.
1: That's that's hundred percent. I mean, if if we, as you said, the, the geographies you mentioned there—Canberra, Tasmania, you know, Wollongong slash Brisbane slash Auckland—I'm sure you can make a combination out of that to get four teams. So. Yeah, all like- interesting times ahead on that front, and you know, as I said, let's let's get at least Canberra up and rolling as soon as possible.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, before twenty before that women's World Cup, have a much larger both women's and men's competition because football in the, in this part of the world is just going to continue to grow off the back of it with the with the funding and the media yep. attention. Agree. Um, speaking of media attention, yeah, like I think we should jump at probably what's been the largest piece of news in the last six weeks, and that would be the marquee signing for Perth who is going to probably be on the road for the first few games of his A-League career, but Daniel Sturridge joining is incredible news.
1: Yeah, man, this is one that you were absolutely gobsmacked when you heard.
0: Oh, I, I thought it was a joke. I genuinely thought it was a joke. There was no chance of signing a player who only recently was competing for the likes of Chelsea and Liverpool in Champions League games.
1: Incredible. I mean, let's be honest here. Daniel Sturridge is a guy who's come off... He hasn't played a competitive game in 19 months. He's been suspended for four months due to uh, gambling-related issues. Um, He's still not in Australia yet. still training in England uh, with a coach. Uh, We don't know when he's coming to Australia. But at the same time, what an awesome signing this is. The thing thing that this side of the
0: world has with football is we have those what are known as Euro snobs, people that wake up, Earlier in early hours of the morning, to watch your EPL, to watch your Serie R, uh, you know, your other top five leagues in the world, and don't have the time to watch the A League. But the signs of the likes of Daniel Sturridge, yes, there are some question marks on his fitness, but he's only 32. He has played, you know, nearly 30 times for England, 60 times for Chelsea, over 100 times for Liverpool. The name recognition is fantastic for the league.
1: It's probably, in my mind, Maynard, the biggest signing we've had in terms of a name since Del Piero.
0: And I'm going to go a step further and say it is larger than the Del Piero effect, purely because he played in the Premier League. So for your younger audiences that, that don't watch, you know, your Italian football, they know the likes of Chelsea, they know the likes of Liverpool. And this is the Daniel Sturridge that was that formed that killer partnership with Suarez. With the Gerard slip to come second. Yep. Like, this is this is I think honestly for a younger generation this might be a larger signing than Del Piero.
1: Yeah, I I can see where you're coming from. The only thing that I'm going to counter on that Maynard, is he's gone into a smaller market. And no offense to any Perth Glory supporters out there, if he had moved to a Melbourne Victory or a Sydney FC
0: or a City. Yeah, no, city. I got you. I I fully agree there. Yeah, he's. He's he's a marquee player that's maybe not joined a marquee A league club.
1: That's correct, and that's the only problem that I see in terms of being bigger. That's what I think the Del Piero effect was felt because he was at one of the biggest clubs.
0: Yeah, and he was able to play in a stadium that could have fifty thousand fans. Exactly right. Like week 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 in week out, and he you know what well, all the membership numbers of that year, he must have sold ten thousand memberships
1: himself. Absolutely. Sorry, the, absolutely. First, season, the first. Yeah, season. yeah, no, no, absolutely, absolutely, and we were still a travesty that year but still um, huge huge signing and the good thing about it for the a league a leagues um, is that um, you know away games will be you know you're, you're going to attract crowds to every Perth glory away game which is yeah. fantastic because otherwise where's the interest
0: yeah no I, oh, I, I completely agree I think particularly in New South Wales with the way that I know we don't want to get political but the way things are opening up you will likely have 75%, 100% capacity at these crowds, in these stadiums, sorry. And you're likely to sell them out the first time that deal, uh, that, that Sturridge plays in, against Sydney FC, for example, likely in the new stadium. Like, oh. fantastic.
1: Unfortunately, not the new stadium, man. That won't be till next year, but. Doesn't it open in 22? Yep, yeah, that's next year. Yeah, this. Th- the
0: season starting in November. No, 29. but it's it's unfortunately
1: it's September twenty twenty two. It's next oh, day league difficult. season, man. We can talk difficult. about it next year.
0: Oh god, I got my dates wrong. I was hoping that it would be open in like April, and then you could have Sturridge playing to in that new fantastic
1: team. I know it will be interesting though to see how they kind of integrate Sturridge though in terms of. I mean, he's going to start obviously, but you do have Faunorola, you do have Andy Keo as well. Are you going to play a front three like that? Or is Keo going to start off the bench? Like, how do they kind of integrate it's, it's, I mean, Sturridge
0: can play on the wing. So that's already really part of your problem solved. He doesn't have to play down the middle. Yep. Keo's a workhorse, so you could probably get him as a... as, as You could probably play a, a front four and have um, Sturridge as one of the one of the tens or one of the wingers, however you want to talk about it.
1: Yeah. will be interesting to see how they line up, though. It will yeah. be, because Castro kind of had that more natural fit for a 4-3-3. Um, yeah, he, he did. It doesn't really work as well.
0: I mean, there were times last season, I think, when they played Keo, Fornaroli, Economides and Castro as a front four. Or a Chianese in a front
1: four. Well, not this year, man. Not.
0: I, mean, I mean, who knows? It's it's Perth Glory's problem to fix. Exactly. I, mean, I, I don't see any problem with having Sturridge and Fornaroli starting Keo off the bench. Keo is 34-35, isn't he, this season? Yeah, yep, that's so,
1: right.
0: Like, who cares? Get rid of him. Let, let, <laughs> let the Daniel Sturridge show show. Shine. Get,
1: get rid of him for a third time, man. That's right. Um, moving on from Sturridge, as much as we could probably talk Daniel Sturridge all day, and as much as I'd like to, um, probably two other signings that people really missed, to be honest, um, and definitely flew under the radar. Um, Roderick Miranda to Melbourne Victory, um, former Wolverhampton Wolves player, Um. Played for Olympiacos, played, played in the Turkish Super League last year. Seems like a pretty solid resume. Um, former Portuguese youth international. Could be a very good signing. Underrated.
0: Yeah, look, I think he was a player that had... I'm just going purely off, you know, some great Wikipedia research. I think a player that showed lots of potential in his youth, as you said, I think he's got something like 40, 50 youth caps across the 17s, 18s, 19s and 20s for Portugal. Playing in the likes of Benfica and Rio they? So you know, good Portuguese first flight uh, teams, but since his move to Wolverhampton, where we have to state he played in the Championship, not the Premier League, he's largely been a bit time player on loan. So while a good pedigree, I'm not sure he's at the Daniel Sturridge level of signing.
1: No, I'm not. I'm not putting him at that level, man. He's a clear number two. What I'm saying or,
0: is, I'd, I'd say he's a he's just a, an average visa signing to be perfectly honest in my opinion i'd love okay. to be, i'd love to be um proven wrong that i'm more excited by Rene krin who has joined western united this mm. is a man that's nearly got 50 caps for slovenia i think his experience in la liga and league one are much better than uh rodrick miranda's
1: yeah you may be right on that one man again not much hype at all about him. I think Rene Curin came from the Diamante uh, scouting effect, um, given both had played together at Serie A for Bologna, um, which wouldn't surprise me is how they uh, linked up with this player. But he was playing in the second division in Spain last year. Um, I, d- I don't know. He's only 31. He seems to have fallen off a little bit. At the same time, his resume is better than Roderick Miranda's. I, I, I agree with that.
0: Yeah, he's played at some big clubs. He played at Internationale, as you said, played at Bologna, Granada, Nantes. Big teams. Yes, yes. he seems to have, have had a funny last couple of years. Um, but there's nothing to suggest he won't rip it up in the A-League, to be perfectly honest. Yep.
1: Look, will be interesting to see. I mean, uh, the other only other signings, and I, and I don't want to go through every single one, Maynard, but a couple of other ones probably worth noting. Um, obviously biggest one, Storm Roo.
0: Yeah, well I think I called it in the in the one of the last two podcasts. His homecoming back to the Mariners. Probably the only place that he's looked a strong player in the A League. Didn't looked a bit out of depth in Melbourne victory in his few years there. Yep. But, agree. Um, but he was he was arguably a star in a poor Mariners team for a long time. And it's a yeah as you said, a homecoming. Uh he's got a big couple of years if he wants to try to make well, one the New Zealand squad and two a New Zealand squad that's trying to push for a World Cup. So as yeah, I mean, makes sense. Good signing. He's gone home.
1: Yep, they need they need depth. They need and, another right back. So
0: uh, let let me guess the only other news that you know of, and that's probably uh, Stevie Taylor retiring from Wellington three days after he was made captain.
1: Mate, again, you know, I I've said PK League about two or three times already this uh, this episode, mate. I'm going to put this in the PK League. Yeah, okay. I mean, classic. Um, I like, like, like recently
0: signed a contract extension, is made captain, and then see you later. Like, I'm done. No, thank you.
1: It doesn't make, didn't make any sense to me, man. I really didn't. Um, I know the quarantine sucks. I get it. But oh, I don't know. He was wanting to come back. He came back. Ufuk Tale seemed to, then management seemed to look after him well. I don't know. I, I don't like it.
0: Look, great player. We you never know what's going on behind the scenes, but this is the second time that he's ripped up a contract with Wellington. Yeah. Well, first time to go to India, you know, covered related uncertainty, fine, but then to do it again, you know, twelve months or eighteen months later, it's it's pretty, must be pretty tough for the back office to take.
1: Yeah, agree. He
0: he would have been on good coin too. For for you know he's an ex Premier League player, as I, as we were talking about, captain. You, yeah. you kind of build your team around that sort of guy and now he's gone and the Phoenix are only left with two centre-backs, one of which Tim Payne, you know, started his career as a striker for Blackburn. Now he's playing centre-back for Wellington Phoenix.
1: Right, uh, the transformation, the Jamie Harnwell transformation, man, I'd write there. Yeah, get um, him as,
0: he's going to be a goalkeeper by the end, game, as far away from the the opposition six-yard box as possible, I think.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Um that piece of news, I mean, again, we're talking a bit Perth glory today, but Diego Castro not coming back.
0: Well, I think it's yeah. just it's just the outcome of the storage signing. Uh, yep. storage takes the last visa spot, so there's no room for Castro. Yep. And obviously, you know, uh, financially speaking, Daniel Sturridge isn't going to be cheap and Castro was their marquee man. So, you know, uh, dollars and cents, you can't fit Castro in and then you can't register him because you've already got your, all your visa
1: spots. Yep. Agree. I mean, he was a bit of a fan favorite, bit of a cult hero at Perth. Fantastic player for the A
0: League. Gave what was it? Four seasons was it for Perth Glory? I mean, Um, we thank you for your service. If you want to find another A League club,
1: Wellington needs players. Please come. If you,
0: if you, he is thirty nine. If he's retiring, you know, hats off to him. He's he's done he's done fantastic thing for the league.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. I just couldn't see him in another jersey, man. To be honest. I'd oh. rather not. I don't like these players going to a different clubs. We don't. I don't need him going to Western United, man. Yeah, don't we know.
0: don't. We don't. Oh, come on, the retirement league at Western United.
1: He'll yeah, fit definitely. right in.
0: He'll he'll actually reduce the average age twenty.
1: That's true. That's true. <laughs> um, man, before we get on to because I think you and I want to talk a bit international. Before we get on to that, very quickly, and we you know we've we've talked a bit of Wellington Phoenix today. I am incredibly impressed with their Wellington Phoenix home kit.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's good to hear. I, I like both kits. I really like their away kit. I like what they did last season. I think they've done the same thing this season with that, you know, aqua blue uh, style. But, yes, the home kit bringing back the stripey, going back to, you know, those original 2008, 2009, nine, nine ten seasons. I like it. Back-to-back finals, classic stripes. Um, yeah, I, I agree. That's a good,
1: clean kit. Yep. Um, and also the Melbourne City one, getting back to their Melbourne heart slash Dash. I don't know. I have sash. I like it. Whatever it is.
0: Yeah. Going back it's to the hard days. Hopefully it's more success- successful than the heart days, though. You can't re- you can't forget that the best success that City's had is in the sky blue.
1: That's true. But I, I there is something nice about that kid. Reminds me of the Rutger Worm days, Maynard. And whatever reminds me of those days does make me happy. So oh, well, um, what,
0: was it Angula? Angela that played like two games and in- Scored a sixty-yard screamer and then retired.
1: That's a great. That's a great one as well, man. Well done. Um, but yes, that that kit, I like it. Well done, heart. a uh, well done, Melbourne City. Yeah, they're both good kits. Probably
0: a special mention for the last good kit would be Sydney FC's. I think it's their third kit in the lavender. That's yeah, quite, I do like that. The it's pirate. different. It's different, which we like. You want to yep. see a bit of change, and it's a nice sleek kit. But yep. more importantly, let's talk about the the bad kits. You know, the ugly kits, and I think cream of the crop this year is MacArthur balls away.
1: I don't, I don't know, know what you can say about it, to be honest. <laughs> I don't know why the mustard. I don't know where that thought process came from. That let's go. As I said, it reminds me of, if you go and have a look, fans, Juventus 2008-09 away kit. And I don't know how I know that, but just seems like a, a shout-out to that kit. Even that kit is a bit nice because it's a bit more gold than mustard. I don't really know what they're doing with that book. It's quite odd because you, you're
0: trying to build a new brand. You would think that, you know, consistent colours both home and away for the first few years makes sense. Yep. You're trying to build, you know, brand recognition, these are MacArthur colours, and then you start spicing it up. No, second season. <laughs> Bit of mustard. Spicy. Bit of spicy. Why not? <laughs>
1: Right. Yeah, Spicy mustard instead. English mustard instead. Um, also, Perth Glory. You did a lot of good with, with Sturridge. You did a lot of bad with your away kit. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know why you go sky blue in a league where two teams wear sky blue. No, well, look,
0: let's take a step back. Who have been the most successful teams in the last, let's call it four or five years? Melbourne City? Well, the Phoenix. F- no, Melbourne City, Sydney FC. <laughs> What kits <laughs> do I wear, Will? Sky blue. Well, clearly, by the glory of gone was the most successful sk- kit color recently. White blue.
1: I get it, Maynard. I just don't know the point of wearing an away You're never going to wear your away kit when you're away against two teams in the league. Yeah, look, if that already reeks. I don't know what you're doing. I like the white and purple. Purple is unique. I get it. But the thing is, purple is never going to clash because no one else wears purple. <laughs> exactly. But go white and purple.
0: Yeah. Like, I don't and even know why like they... Their white and purple kids Why do they even need an away kit? It's just to sell more merchandise.
1: But who's going to buy... Have you seen it, Maynard? No, it's, uh, it's horrendous. It's not a great kit. It's too... Pl- if you're going to do it, at least make it interesting. Like, Wellington Phoenix away is blue, but it's interesting. It's different, right? It's not like a plain light blue
0: it's, it's 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 unique in the league in that there's no other pure blue or let's call it aqua blue, right? Yes. It's it, Yeah, it, it needs to be unique and stand out. The fact that you're so similar to a Sydney FC or a Melbourne City, it kind of ruins it. I mean, if you're wearing that jersey at an away game as a Perth Glory fan, you're just going to fit in with the crowd.
1: Exactly. You're basically going for Sydney FC. Yeah. And and, and and
0: even to their own players, it will look like you're going for Sydney FC.
1: Exactly right. I agree. May not, um, probably just before we talk about internationals, which we're going to cap off uh, today, FFA Cup has started, which again is strange given some states are in lockdown, some states are not. Um, but WA and Queensland have managed to get their teams to play their games. Um, any thoughts thus far? Look,
0: my only thought is it's still called the FFA Cup and the FFA doesn't exist anymore, so it's all a bit weird. Uh, <laughs> I honestly can't say I've watched much of the FFA Cup. I sort of try to keep my eye out for any cup sets and I don't think there've been any, unless you can
1: correct me. No, nope. Florid Athena from WA came close, took Adelaide United to extra time and then lost.
0: Yeah, look, it's tough. it is tough for A-League teams because they're not... You know, they're the beginning of preseason when they're versing largely NPL clubs that are in their peak of their season. So you kind of do expect some cup sets.
1: I mean, this is a strange one because you basically have got the most disadvantage for NPL clubs coming across A-league teams at the moment, given the lockdowns yeah. um, in certain states because the NPL clubs just have not been playing. Yeah, so
0: um, the, the normal cup sets that you would expect because of those different levels of fitness, you're not going to see.
1: No, I don't think that's going to be the case in Victoria or New South Wales, for, for sure. But there, there were some interesting games in the round of 16 that have been drawn up. It's weird that you already have a round of 16 when not every team has played a round of 32. But sure, let's just go with it. Um, that Brisbane Derby, Lions FC versus Brisbane Raw, and Adelaide Olympic versus Adelaide United.
0: Is, is and, that Lions FC where Warren Moon used to
1: coach? That's correct. That's why uh, it's interesting.
0: Yeah, I'll be going back to his old stomping ground. It's good. To, I mean, that's the good thing about this cup, that you're um, exposing these little rivalries and little derbies that you wouldn't normally expect.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I, that's why I like the zoning of it a little bit more this year. It does create it. It's not as random. All, um, all, all
0: they need to do now is add a WFFA cup, and that will be good. Because yeah. I, I, I don't believe they've got a um, national cup women's competition. No, and that's probably probably the one thing that this woman's game is currently lacking, and whether they can get that before the uh, 2023 Women's World Cup or not is a different story.
1: Yep, agree, agree. Um, Man, let's talk at the very end. I know this is very much an A League focused podcast, but I think you know we're in preseason. There are a couple of things going on in the world outside of the A League, which is I kind know of hard to believe, Um, but. Socceroos and the All-Whites are playing. Yeah. Me saying the All-Whites are playing is a really weird thing to say.
0: It's been... This morning was the 693rd day between games, and finally the All-Whites put on their boots and represented New Zealand, which was fantastic to, to talk about. But yeah, let's let's spend five minutes or so talking about the Socceroos and five minutes or so talking about the All-Whites, just to wrap yeah. things up.
1: Yeah. I mean, if we talk Socceroos, man, I don't mean... I did watch the game against Amman. They've now won 11 straight, uh, 11 consecutive matches for World Cup qualifying. The first team ever to do yep. it.
0: No, fantastic, um, fantastic record when you've got to yeah. consider that um, everyone, oh, sorry, every one of those last, what is it, five or six have been on the road. Uh, they're in difficult conditions with players like Degenak who couldn't play because he was COVID positive.
1: Yep. So out of those 11 games, 10 were away from. Oh, wow. Australia. That's more than I thought. Yep. 10 out of the 11. They only played one home game against Nepal since 2019,
0: which is insane. So their homecoming next month will be a fantastic spectacle, I hope.
1: Man, they... you and I will be. Well, I was going to say you and I were going to be there. Tough for me to You need to fly over and get, be there. Uh, tough for me to
0: be there, Will, but I'll be there in spirit. The next yeah, one, definitely. the next game for the Socceroos will be the big challenge. I'm not sure if it's today or tomorrow or the day after, but playing Japan, I mean, I think that's the first proper challenge. I mean, Oman, Oman was a tough game, but you know, the the Japanese are the, the top ranked Asian team, and arguably, yeah. arguably, arguably yep. for a long time, they've been the benchmark in Asian football.
1: Yep, agree. They they on Tuesday night they're playing Japan. Um, Japan, for some reason, has struggled significantly. I, I don't actually understand how or why, because on paper, their team is still very good. Um, they have only won one out of the first three games. They lost to Oman at home. They just lost to Saudi Arabia away um, and beat China away. They're struggling. And I mean, they, they need to win this game. It's getting to the point where if, if, if soccer is managed to win this game, that japan is in a position where it's going to struggle to get one of the automatic qualification spots which at the start of this world cup qualifying you'd be shocked to be saying that
0: yeah it looks it, at this stage it's looking like japan will be fighting for that second or third qualification spot which will, which will mean they'll be going to the playoff and then the international uh international playoff round which yep. will be i mean it's a tough it's a tough route to take you, you might be playing south american teams
1: which uh is obviously
0: the toughest of the routes to
1: take. Yeah, agreed. I mean, uh, Saudi Arabia, somehow, someway, always in qualification, tend to be smash. It don't seem to go so well when they're at the World Cup. But again, they've won their first three games well and they just beat Japan at home. Um, There's, a lot of money. There's a
0: lot of money in some of these Middle Eastern nations and they're just going to continue to increase, improve in quality. You know, the money they can spend on facilities and coaches, the gap between the likes of, you know, uh your powers such as japan and those middle eastern nations is just going to close further and further yep yeah money talks right yeah that's true i mean the the recent purchase of newcastle by what was it the saudi
1: royal family saudi arabian uh sovereign wealth fund
0: yeah which is i mean that's 80% owned by the saudi royal family so like yeah. well, oh
1: man uh, degrees of separation apparently but yes. yeah yeah
0: okay <laughs> regardless money talks. um yeah so that those those gaps as, as I said before are just going to close
1: but I think there's been
0: there's a lot of signs about this Australian team that's uh, quite exciting
1: there are and, and and what I like about it is you've got the Arnold's done a very good job this World Cup qualification campaign bringing a lot of new faces in and somewhat seamlessly um, and had the positive impact of you know Mun boils your Harry Sutars, which now seem Mainstays but let's be honest they only really got capped or they've still got under 10 caps for both of them, yet they feel as though they've been there for ages. I mean, like, the ability for him to do that has been awesome. Um, and you have got players that have kind of returned to form, whether that be, you know, your Tom Rogiches, um, who wasn't really playing much previous year, now back in form, or even Jackson Irvine playing well at St. At Paul in in the in Bundesliga too. I mean, there are or Trent Sainsbury, for instance, actually playing. I mean, obviously Matt Ryan and Aaron Moy aren't at the moment, which is probably the only downside. Um, but most of the team is playing regularly in good form and that's showing um, result wise.
0: Yeah. Look, I mean the, the person I'm always most excited about when I see the green and golders, Mabil. bill. I think he is, he is a superstar. I think he can make something happen. And then him, him on one wing. And as you said, Martin Boyle on the other, there's a lot to like about the soccer going forward. Yeah. Which, which sort of hurts me to say,
1: <laughs> man, let's talk about the all whites. Um, you, you got up this morning and you watched the game against Curaçao?
0: Curaçao. I did. I did. 72 in the world and then All-Whites ranked 120-something in the world. Uh, our first game in 693 days. Alarm was set for 4.30. Beautiful to watch. Fantastic to see a New Zealand football team playing again.
1: And what, what were uh, your
0: thoughts? Sorry, I, I don't think I mentioned score. New Zealand won two, one 2-1. Yep. Um, by far the better team for the first 60 or so minutes before fading and Carousel coming back. Uh, Carousel has some strong players, most notable for this side of the world's Roly Bonavazia plays for them, which was nice to see an old Wellington Phoenix boy there. Um, but, you know, it's just good to see. This is arguably New Zealand's golden generation. You've got a lot of... This, this whole squad was made of players from Europe or the US because you can't get any A-League or New Zealand domestic players there. Uh, but, yeah, golden generation. A lot of players in that squad were, you know, in the early 20s, the likes of Kakache, Saprit Singh, Joe Bell. You've got a squad, a core of that squad that's going to be around for 10 years and will hopefully go to another World Cup.
1: Fingers crossed, man. Fingers crossed. It was good to see, like, Tommy Smith back. Yeah, it
0: was odd. It was odd. He, um, I was surprised not to see Tommy Smith start. He came on the last sort of 10 minutes or so, uh, to make a back three to give a bit of, uh, more defensive structure to you know see out the win, um, but yeah, some names the likes of uh, Tommy Smith. Uh, we were talking about the twenty ten World Cup. You've got Rory Fallon in the in the coaching staff, which was funny to see. Yep. Uh, and then you've got Winston Reid, who is uh, still making his way back from injury, sitting in the on the coaching staff as an advisor at the moment. But you know, this this the, squ- the squad is a is a, the pro- yeah arguably the strongest that New Zealand's ever had. You've got players like Chris Wood starring arguably in the Premier League, scoring, you know, 10 plus goals for the last four seasons. You've got Ryan Thomas playing for a Europa League team at PSV. You've got Winston Reid, who is, yes, coming back from injury, but he played, you know, 250 games in the Premier League. Um, you've got some some big players in there. Yeah, Sarpryt Singh, no Muppet signed for Bayern Munich. Yes, he's playing in the Bundesliga, but, you know, that's four players that would all... Likely make the Socceroos teams.
1: Yep, man. I'll be honest. I think the Socceroos would kill for someone like a Chris Wood if he was Aussie. Um... Yeah,
0: you you say that. I don't know how it'd fit in into that squad because mm. he, he's Chris Wood is he's a big boy, but he's a poacher. Yeah, it's, it's a really he's his 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 skills. I mean, he's he's a poacher. He's got a good first touch, but he's not a target man. So <laughs> I don't know how it'd fit in Arnie's style. He doesn't have the mobility that I think Arnie would want.
1: It's all, a, it's all a bit weird. Well, yeah. look, New Zealand have him anyway. It's all hypotheticals. But, I mean, he's got the goal-scoring record and, again, playing at the EPL level. I mean, there's no soccer who's playing at the EPL level, Maynard. So that's something to note. Uh,
0: you watch this space. Harry Sautard will be there. If he's not there in January, he'll be there next summer, next English summer.
1: You're calling it now, Maynard. you got inside oh, that- sources here.
0: Everton or Aston Villa I'm going to snatch him up before or I, I'll be surprised if he's not there in January to be honest.
1: Matt, I'll, all I want to make sure if he goes to a club, I want him playing. That's it. That's all I want. I he needs yeah. to be playing.
0: I think he needs to, he needs to go to a big club that's, you know, playing Europa or European Conference so that at the very, the Wednesday if not the Saturday, you know what I mean? Like he's playing once a week for one of those larger teams. He's the third choice center back at worst sort of thing.
1: Mate, the beautiful thing about him is 22 years of age. He'll be around for at least
0: 22 years of age, about eight foot tall.
1: That's what you want, Maynard. That's what you want. Um, we've almost run out of time here. Um, very quickly, though, you got, we got one more minute, Maynard, but very quickly here, the Olympics. Yeah. Um, not really spoken about. New Zealand had their best ever tournament.
0: Yeah, as I said, golden generation for this for this young New Zealand squad. So largely the team that was playing against Caracao this morning was, it was the Olympic squad. Um, they do a ranking afterwards, which they rank New Zealand 6th, Australia 12th out of the 16 competing nations. Uh, for the first time ever in the Olympics, New Zealand won a game. They also got out of their group where they lost to Japan an extra time in the round of 16. Um, all good news, but also touching on Australia... Let's be honest, if you offered Australian public with the group they had a win against Argentina and two narrow losses they would have taken it, Um, I think both nations did quite well and outperformed expectation at the tournament. Uh, The only sour point is that Australia started well and therefore new expectations were set, which they couldn't rise to for the rest of the tournament, as well as playing some negative football against Egypt.
1: Yeah, I I, I think what put people offside was the the negative football against Egypt, against in a game that you're like, let's go for it. Um, The only other thing that people were kind of worried about is Arnie basically didn't rotate the squad well enough. I I know first two games were tough, I get that. But even against Egypt, players looked visibly tired um, and there probably should have been some form of rotation in that last game. I mean, how Cammy Devlin didn't get enough more game time still boggles me.
0: Yeah, look, there's there's a lot of what ifs that you can take after a tournament. I mean, from New Zealand's perspective, what if uh, Winston Reid never got injured? Like, how far could the team have gone? But I think if you offered the outcome to both nations before the tournament started, they would be quite pleased with how they did. Yeah, New Zealand more so than Australia. But you know, you had a heap of A League or ex A League players across both of the nations. And they were holding their own against much larger football nations like South Korea, Japan, Argentina, Spain, and Egypt. Like in none of those games did they look out of place either nation. Which yeah. is and that's that's the A League, right? Like,
1: I think that's that that's the thing that I think people woke up to the fact that the A League, as much as it might receive criticism from some elements to say it's not the same standard as your you know your Premier Leagues, your top five leagues, maybe even not. The, at the same time, the quality is not as poor as people think. And that's highlighted by these international tournaments where you've got a, basically an A-League squad beating Ar- an Argentina team. That was yeah. favourites to win, the, one of the favourites to win the tournament. I mean, that for me was the big wake-up call. People were like, oh, wow, there's actually some quality here. And a lot of those guys then go and get moved to, into Europe. You know, you Dennis Genrao, for instance, or Cammy or, Devlin. Or
0: uh, Gianni Stensonis for New Zealand. So exactly. it's the same it's the same who's now going to play for australia but it's the same thing it, yep. i mean the a league the a league's never going to be a top 5 league in the world no but it, but it can fill the gap for these young players to you know use as a springboard to have fantastic careers in those big leagues because yep. they can get 30 games a year against good quality opposition Yep. as as 17 18 19 20 year olds and then make the jump
1: and that's no, there's 20-year-old 20-year-old coming against daniel Sturridge, i mean that's that. That's how you test yourself.
0: But I Emma, mean, how else do you? Oh, that's that's the way you learn. Yeah. And then you turn around yep. and you go to you know Newcastle on a wet Wednesday night. It's that old classic, you know? Can they perform against on a wet Tuesday night in Stoke? It's the same thing, like. Yep. You got you got to perform week in week out, and it doesn't matter which league in the world you're playing. It's that consistency of games and consistency of performances, and players will improve and they'll get their moves when they're ready. Agree. Whether, whether that's to the likes of Japan and South Korea for a, a, a higher quality competition and a payday or to, you know, European leagues.
1: Yep. Agree. Man, I'd agree. That's,
0: what, that's what the A-League is this for. and I, I think it's getting there. There's only promising signs from now with the new TV deals and the like and everything we've spoken about today, I think.
1: And also COVID vaccination rates, which means we'll actually get crowds back at A-League games and hopefully a, a resumed normality within the competition for 2022 at least.
0: Um, yeah look I still think I think this season's going to be disrupted but yeah I agree then the season after proper international travel and away games and the like will be fun
1: absolutely absolutely um all right man well that's it for today um obviously watch out for the the raw article that that's coming out uh which will touch on literally everything that we spoke about today um and 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 yeah, exactly. Um, and then I guess the next thing we'll talk about is we're getting closer to this start of the A-League, really, may not.
0: Yeah, I think maybe next time we can unpack those first few games for the A-League and talk about, you know, our prediction of how the league will go.
1: Yeah, I think that's exactly what we're going to do. A bit of a season preview, a um, bit closer to the date. Um, and kind of, yeah, giving our views on it. Sure. Um, it's been a pleasure, Will. Manor, always a pleasure. Um, And thank you, fans, and um, we'll uh, chat to you soon. Sounds good. Thanks, everyone. Bye.